Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here at the start of another week for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Now, it is Sunday night as we're recording this, so of course that means the host of the Bucks Radio Network and also uh, Courtside Live, the brand new pregame show. We've spoke about that. You've got to check it out on the Bucks digital platforms. Justin Garcia... What's going on, man? A busy weekend for you. Uh, Back-to-back. They split it. They split it. We're going to get into it a little bit here. I wouldn't say it was the most uh, exciting weekend of Bucks basketball, but you'll take the 1-1 split. You'll take that. You'll take the 4-1 homestand that I I think, you know, we all kind of expected too when you saw the amount of teams from the Central on the schedule. Hmm. But, you know, we we should, and I I don't think we'll spend too much time, but we should also point out, look – we should also be thankful that there have been no Bucks games interrupted. And I know that was brought up a lot leading into the season in the sense, and I think you agree here, the sense I got from the Bucks uh, based on some of the, the answers we got two questions about that from players like Chris Middleton is, you know, there is a, a sense of responsibility within this team that you can at least feel confident knowing this team gets it, and for the most part, the makeup of these guys aren't going to put themselves in position to uh, have anything that would you know, thwart the season uh, going off or, or not being interrupted. But as, as we've learned, I mean, it, you don't have to do anything wrong to <laughs> test positive for it or to come into contact with somebody. So it, it's, I'm really curious to see what the next steps are for the league, that it, it seems like this weekend it's really starting to come to a head now with several teams. Absolutely. This is actually something we didn't discuss on the show last week, but I'm glad you brought it up because it does feel that the league is kind of on the edge of the cliff right now. And it's like, which way is this going to go? Is it going to tip over and we're going to have to have games postponed and and teams not able to play for at least a week? I, I do find it fascinating, the contact tracing that they're doing, because we're seeing situations where, as you said, it's not necessarily anything that a player is doing wrong. And in one case, I believe it was just Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal talking to each other after the game. And that's considered a close contact and there has to be quarantine there. So I don't know. So far to this point, the Bucs have been able to uh, be okay when it comes to the health and safety protocols. But I think the one thing we're learning uh, as the games go on, it's probably going to happen at some point. And there's going to be games where you're going to be missing players. The funny thing about this, and I guess it's not all that funny when we're talking about injuries here, but the Cavs were as depleted as you could possibly be going into a game, but none of it was because of the health and safety yeah. protocols, which is quite remarkable. So we obviously know Darius Garland didn't play, Colin Sexton didn't play. Uh, you could go down the list. I mean, there was there was so many players that were unavailable for the Cavs. They've got a, a crazy injury list right now. And this was one of those games, and we're going to talk about Mike Budenholzer predominantly on this show and certainly we'll touch on the Utah game because I think that was the 
the more fascinating out of the two games and the games that the game that you could certainly take more away from. But the Bucks did beat the Cavs 100 to 90 on Saturday night. Uh, no Giannis. Uh, he had a scary fall against Utah and was out with back spasms. Now, uh, just a quick update. He is listed as probable for the game against Orlando uh, tonight, as everyone is listening to that. So that's a good sign and certainly a good result considering how scary that fall was. But the Bucks win 100 to 90. Uh, Chris Milton, again, was uh, outstanding shooting the ball. 10 for 16 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, 4 for 4 from the free throw line, 27 points. He's still shooting 55% from the field, 50% from 3, and 97% from the free throw line. So 50-50-90 for Chris so far through 10 games. Uh, did you take anything away from this game at all, Bucks and Cavs? Because it was, it was a strange one. It was low energy. It was a typical back-to-back game where one team was clearly outmatched but they just hung around probably longer than they should have uh what did what did you even think about this you were in the arena yeah well yeah uh my biggest takeaway was that this was one of those where i I think all of us kind of wondered what is it going to be like this season with no fans and all the blowouts that we've seen. I mean, what can you really expect? And, you know, the players talked about how weird it was in the bubble that you had to generate your own energy, but we were still talking about a four to 5,000 capacity arena that you were turning into a basketball court, not these cavernous 18,000 plus arenas in some cases like Pfizer forum. So this was the first game to me where it was noticeable, where you knew there is just no buzz here and there's no energy and it's just weird. I think even you know last year and in a normal setting, even without Giannis, that's a game that the Bucks probably end up blowing out the Cavs. And you feed off the energy that's in the building. But in this case, Giannis was out of there. You looked across the court and you saw a banged up, depleted Cavs team. It was night two of a back-to-back. You knew it was the last game at home. It was probably really hard to get up for. And I think this was the first time that we had really that noticeable game on the schedule where you saw – yeah, there was nothing. Like, nothing for any of us in the building, and the players certainly felt that too. Yeah, actually, a rare kind of off-shooting night for the Bucks as well. Only 44% from the field, 12 for 36 from three. So 33% is clearly uh, below where they've been all season long. Uh, the Bobby Porter show was fun to at least start this one. He started off really hot. Had, uh, I think, 12 points in the first quarter, or certainly... Uh, got into double digits pretty quickly here. Finished with 17 points, 11 rebounds. That's just another double-double for Bobby. He played 33 minutes alongside Brooke Lopez in this one, which was interesting. And you certainly got a sense for perhaps how shallow the Bucks' big man stocks are when you are missing one of those plays, whether it be Brooke or Giannis. So Bobby Porter's first start. Again, uh, he is a guy that is going to... I mean, you just know what you're going to get from Bobby. And I think this has been the interesting part of the second unit coming together this season. I know he started in this game. But Bobby Porter's just consistently, you know what you're going to get from him. And it's an offensive punch, again, that the Bucks have probably lacked in the past. Well, the interesting part for the Bucks bench to me is uh, Bobby Portis is that punch that they haven't really had in the past because, you know, we can point to the bench the last two years and sure you had guys like uh, George Hill that you, you could expect to get you 10 or so points a night and even Dante, especially last year. But that bench for the last two years under Bud was primarily defense and energy. And you were asking the second unit to come in and don't give up the lead or extend the lead that we have. Whereas now, you know, we've, what, nine games into the season, we've already talked about 
the bench wasn't there in the opening night against the Celtics. There was another game against Utah where the, the bench just didn't really perform well that I think we're going to have that volatility throughout the season because it's a different makeup where you look at it outside of Torrey Craig, who we haven't really seen this year. It's an offensive team that you have on that second unit with Bobby Portis is scoring. You're going to lean on DJ Augustine to score when he comes in the game as well. Even Jordan Wara in the minutes. So it's a, it's a bit of a change from what we've seen where you're looking for defensive guys, especially in the front court, and got, uh, telling guys just don't surrender the lead here and keep us where we're at, that now you're leaning on the bench to score even more. I think we're going to continue to see this as the trend throughout the season. One night the bench is going to score 55. The next night it's going to score 15. Yeah, you mentioned Jordan War, and I think that's an interesting name to bring up because we did see DJ Wilson in this game against the Cavs, which was kind of interesting when you look at the rotations over the last uh, couple of games here. So we are going to get into, uh, like I said, we're going to discuss Mike Budenholzer, the rotations, the defense, uh, everything here in a little bit. Before I get to that, I want to talk about Bill Barr uh, a little bit here because I sometimes I'm getting messages on Twitter and people are saying, what, what is the website? What is that, uh, that code that we can use for built bar? So, uh, we know they're fantastic sponsors of the show, uh, the best tasting protein bar out on the market. And it's, uh, is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. So it's healthy for you. It's good before workouts, after workouts, just to get you through the the day get you through uh, announcing the basketball game justin as you have uh, said on this show as well uh the deal we have this is what you need to know go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off your next order use promo code locked on the 20 percent off at builtbar.com Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to the Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we are recording this right now as uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh are playing. Uh, Justin, I, I don't know whether you've been watching any of the Nickelodeon coverage. Unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I actually str- did watch the entire thing. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on. But uh, Australia, uh, they didn't have the Nickelodeon coverage. I was very upset. Although, uh, having said that, there was Tony Romo that was calling the Bears game. And, and I know that we probably do have uh, some Bears fans that uh, have crossed over. It might be Bucks fans, also Chicago Bears fans. But I'm sorry. It's always fun to see Chicago lose. So I was not upset about the result of uh, that game. But I was upset about the result of the Bucks game on Friday night. Because Milwaukee went down to Utah, one thirty-one to one eighteen, a franchise record. Twenty-five threes for Utah. They were twenty-five for fifty-three, forty-seven percent. Uh, that is a lot of threes, Justin. And it, it's kind of funny because as I was watching this game, I couldn't help but think to myself, "Man, this must be what it's like to uh, watch your team play against Milwaukee all season long." Because we know the Bucks obviously had that record: twenty-nine threes against Miami. They've shot. Uh, 20 or more threes three times this season already and are well over 40% on the year. They've been absolutely on fire. But on this one, they could not do anything to stop the Jazz. And it wasn't just the threes. It was in the mid-range as well. Jordan Clarkson was cooking them in the, with those little floaters. He was getting into the paint. Donovan Mitchell the same. He had a season-high 32 points. So tough night at the office this one uh, for the Bucks. And honestly, it felt like it was probably greater than a 13-point margin. 
Yeah, you, you never felt like you were really in it. I mean, and, and Utah won every quarter of that game where they just slowly started to build the lead and, and just wouldn't let up. And, you know, if you would have told me that the Jazz would hit 25 threes against the Bucks on a night where Joe Ingles doesn't even play, uh, you knew, okay, this is probably going to be a long night. But like you touched on, they did it from everywhere. That It wasn't just the three-point shooting that they hit 25 threes, and that was certainly the story early. Is I think they had nine of them in the first quarter. But Jordan Clarkson and what he did off the bench, and you know, I think he was over 20 at halftime. And then to get Donovan Mitchell going as well, um, you know, I, I think, too, it, whether or not you're a Rudy Gobert fan, you did see the impact that he creates offensively, as we can point to at least a handful of occasions where his screening set the Jazz open. And you know, we saw some subtle changes, and I know this is what we're going to get to, but I, I was most fascinated by some of the responses we heard from guys like Drew Holiday yeah. after the game where we did see a lot of tinkering from Bud, that it's – it's not as simple as saying, and look, overall, my stance is this. I, I get that it's frustrating to see a, a theme of sorts that for two plus years now, the Bucks have given up a lot of threes. But we also understand this is how they're constructed defensively, that you're not going to get easy looks at the rim. And threes and long twos are still the most difficult shot in the NBA. That's what they're going to make you take. But for people to continue to point to, well, they're giving up way too many threes, I mean, also – where do you think the league is headed? It's not the Bucs that are the only team we're talking about doing this. It's every single team. I mean, we saw the Bucs hit 29 threes against the Heat. The three-point attempts and the three-point makes are going to continue to go up in every single game. And it's just something we all have to get used to. It's You want to look at the three-point percentage and where our opponents taking those threes from and whether or not they're open looks. So, I, I'm already growing tired of people pointing out the Bucks gave up X amount of threes to this opponent because, look, this trend isn't going away. They're going to continue to give up a lot of threes. Every single team in the league is going to continue to give up a lot of threes. It's how good were the shots that the opponents took and what percentage of them did they hit. But, you know, that being said, we saw the Bucks change their defense throughout the course of that game. And I think, you know, some of the things that Drew Holiday said after the game too – were very telling to me and, you know, hearing responses from guys like Drew Holiday and Giannis, I think that's what you need in, in terms of pushing through, you know, not necessarily personnel changes, but hey, let's do some of this more often. Well, when you bring somebody else in that ran a different system and says, you know, and Drew specifically saying, I played these guys a lot coming from the Western Conference, I understand they do this you may need that voice to say, you know what, maybe we should try and do more of this instead. And we started to see that in the second half. Yeah, I don't want to go on too much of a rant here, Justin, but I, I kind of do want to echo what you said here because I am absolutely not, and I, I have to make this clear, I'm absolutely not a Bud sympathizer. In fact, I think that his seat is one of the hottest in the league for reasons that we know when you have a team that's trying to contend for a championship and you have under-delivered two years in a row uh, or, or gone out earlier than you perhaps thought you should have two years in a row, then come year three, it's all on the line. And I do think that depending on what happens later this season in the, post, uh, in the playoffs, in the postseason, that's where Budenholzer is going to be marked. But I also am, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating to see that everything, absolutely everything from the fans is directed, uh, with, the blame is directed at Bud. And I don't necessarily think it's fair. And I definitely didn't think it was fair with this Utah game. I thought that there was some breakdowns 
clearly, and I think that Milwaukee have a real problem with the way that they're trying to defend, particularly the small pick and roll. So we saw that against the Boston in against Boston in the opening night game with Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart would run a pick and roll, or Jeff Teague and and Jason Tatum, or Jeff Teague and Jalen Brown, and the Bucks would continually cover that pick and roll with that drop coverage, and the, the guys were able to uh, get wide open looks. We saw a little bit of that against Utah, whether it was Clarkson and Mitchell, uh, whether it was Mike Conley out there who played really well. So certainly there is question marks with that. But I also think that, as you pointed to, they were trying lots of different things in this game. And I actually asked Giannis about that post game and said, uh, do you talk to Bud during the game and say, this is what I'm seeing out here, we should change this? Because we know that historically, Giannis has always been a guy that says, I just do what I've got to do. I don't really talk to Bud, I trust the coaches. So his answer to me when I asked him that was, I I try to focus on what I got to do and how I can help my teammates. But obviously we have conversations like that. Today was a good game though, because we were making adjustments. We started with center, then we blitzed, then we switched, then we went back. We were making adjustments. They were just making shots, making a lot of shots. And I think that this is the thing that I I think Bucks fans need to understand. First of all, there's a lot of things that, that I don't see in the moment. And I, I went back and I watched the Utah game again just to focus specifically on the defense to see what they were doing. And if you watch it closely, you can see that they were trying all those things that Giannis mentioned and they changed it up a little bit and they changed the position of where they were in those coverages uh, a lot. But part of the problem when you want to start to make adjustments is that this team for so long has been so consistent with their defense and their, their defensive strategy that there's breakdowns and they made mistakes. And a lot of the times the players were in the wrong spot or Drew Holiday on a number of occasions went under a screen rather than going over, which we know what Eric Bledsoe did to an elite level when he was part of this team. So I I think that there's so many factors here. The way teams are shooting the ball at the moment is just absolutely absurd, as you mentioned. Basically, 23-point makes is the old 15-three-point makes because that's where the game has adjusted to. So I think that if you want the Bucs to make adjustments and you want them to try different things defensively, then you have to be prepared that it's not always going to work. And I think that we're seeing signs of a team that when they try other things, they're not used to doing that and they need practice and they need to work through those struggles that they're going to have. Unfortunately, in this game, Utah just shot the hell out of the ball and it ultimately brought about the demise of the Bucs in this game. But it wasn't one where I walked away and said, well, same old bud. I just didn't see that. And that was certainly what I got uh, from social media postgame. Yeah, and there's a, a couple of things there is, again, just to talk about how much the game has changed. You know, we all talk about that and say, well, the game's changing and it's more three-point shooting and all the subtle changes that we've adopted here over the last few years. But really, to highlight that, I mean, if you go back even, I think, the last five or six years, uh, that long ago, there was five or six teams that averaged 10 or more made threes a game. And then just a couple of years later, it was basically half and two thirds of the league up until last year was the first year where only one team didn't average at least 10 makes. So it's been a change, but it's been a rapid change and it's going to continue to go that way. Um, and I'm glad you pointed out the the Drew Holiday stuff as well, because I think it is one of the things we took for granted of, of look, we knew Eric Bledsoe was a good individual defender and I think we spent a lot of time talking about that and um, you don't want to diminish everything that Eric Bledsoe brought to the team because he was still a good piece and a valuable piece to this team you just needed to move on and move in a different direction but for everything we pointed to and said 
well, I think Drew Holiday allows you to do more, which is true. The one thing I've really noticed is, you know, Drew Holiday, you can throw him on multiple guys and he's a, a better team defender as well. But you really miss some of that stuff, especially in the individual point guard matchups with Eric Bledsoe, where nobody got around a screen better than he did. And you already see the, the subtle differences that you pointed to with how Drew Holiday attacks that. I mean, when you're running the drop system, that's something that's really going to stand out. So I would expect that to improve through the next probably 15 or so games. I mean, that's the other thing is we almost have to look at this like we did Bud's first year, where it wasn't until mid-December-ish that they really started to take off defensively, and it kind of coincided with the arrival of George Hill, but it was 25 or so games into the season that you started to see that defense become elite. It's probably going to be the same this season with you know all the new changes that they have in terms of subtle scheme changes, but also 50% of their roster personnel has changed. So I am of the camp that I don't think we're really going to know who this team is until maybe we get to the end of the first half of the schedule. Well, listen, I mean, we spent all off-season talking about the Bucs and saying, well, we don't really care about the regular season anymore. It's all about the postseason. So now you're not going to see me losing my mind after 10 games of the regular season where there's some scratchy defense. And the one misnomer that I think that's out there is that the Bucs defense sucks, and you see that a lot. Well, that's false. They've had the number one defense in the league the last two seasons. The problem is that you have to be able to do different things when you get into a seven-game uh, series, and that's why playing these teams like Utah and, and Boston, certainly in the opening uh, on opening night where you see different things and see weaknesses and see where you need to improve, that's really good for this team. So I certainly would have loved to have got that win against Utah and and. Uh, wrapped up a five-game uh, winning streak on the homestand. That would have been fantastic, but you also can take a lot away from that game. So, again, uh, we're going to continue talking about Bud here in just a second, specifically when it comes to the rotation. And it's not about defending Bud. It's just about looking realistically at what's happening on the floor. And honestly, I think sometimes it's okay to put some of the blame on the players as well. It doesn't always have to be too bad, which certainly feels uh, that's the case uh, right now. So I want to talk about uh, betonline.ag now uh, because I've mentioned uh, you can check out all the lines they have for NFL playoffs as week one uh, wraps up here. Uh, a little bit later tonight as we are recording. And the Packers, they're going to have the Rams. Maybe you want to go on betonline.ag and and see what they've got uh, lined up for that game next weekend. I feel a little bit sorry for the Rams having to go to Lambeau Field. I don't think they're going to enjoy the cold weather all that much. But there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust when it comes to sport betting. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, coming up this week on Locked On Bucks, Milwaukee are hitting the road, which is actually not a bad thing. They're going to Orlando. They're going to be going back down to Disney. We know what that means. Brooke Lopez is probably going to have a massive game against the Magic here tonight. So we're going to have you covered there. And uh, shock horror, we're playing the Pistons again. I, I can't believe it. I feel like we've been talking about the Pistons for the last week, but the Bucks will be in Detroit as well. So keep up 
to date with Locked On Bucks, and we'll have you covered with all those games. Uh, let's talk about the rotation a little bit, Justin. Now, <laughs> let's just start with Tenassus, okay? Let's not beat around the bush here. Let's talk about Tenassus. It's very strange that he's in the rotation. I think that everyone can really agree that if you're a contending team, Tenassus is not a guy that you're going to want in your playoff rotation. I think that's fine. We can all accept that. Uh, I will say that I still am struggling to get as angry as a lot of uh, people are just based purely on the fact that I don't see any way that he is in the playoff rotation. So I think that this is just a little stretch here. There's been a couple of guys that were out. But one thing that did stand out to me, and this is where the conversation comes back to, but I I think it might have been Eric name that asked Boonholzer post-game against Cleveland, uh, why did you bring DJ Wilson into the rotation? You didn't play Jordan Wara. What went into that decision? And Bud said, well, actually, it was just Pat Connaughton that came back into the lineup. So that's why uh, uh, Jordan didn't play. Now, that troubles me a little bit. And the reason that that troubles me is that while I don't really care that Thanasis is playing right now in the first 10 games of the season, it doesn't bother me. I don't expect that when the Bucks are healthy, he's going to be a guy that's going to play every single night. I still think that there's something to be said for why are you even bothering? Why are you playing Thanasis ahead of the rookie who actually looks like someone who has a skill set or a, a set of skills that you could utilize in a playoff game in terms of scoring, offensive ability like Jordan Wara? Why are we even going down the path of playing Thanasis? That would be the one criticism I have. Um, boy, where do we even begin with this? And look, here's the other thing too. I'm not defending it, but... The way you hear some fans talk, I mean, this this um, handling of the rotations and the types of players that we see played over Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill, where, you know, other than Dante, playing young players was really a rarity under Bud. And Bud isn't alone there, that a lot of the coaches that we historically have looked at and said, well, this is one of the better coaches in the league. I mean, they do the exact same thing. So think back to the years in the Clippers and with the Celtics, with Doc Rivers doing the same type of thing with players that you wonder, why isn't he playing this guy? Every single coach does it. Now, there are rarities, and there's the coaches like Nick Nurse that you know will do and are more apt to just try different things. And I think that's really – expedited the frustration with Bud that we act as though this is unique to him. It's not that this is a league wide problem where coaches just feel comfortable playing their guys and veterans more so than they do younger players. So you do have to accept part of that, but yeah, you know, I think when you watch the Cavs game, I guess I, I had a number of takeaways from that. Number one, as you watched it, you just thought, Thanasis, I understand what you're going for here if you're Bud, but he's just giving you nothing right now. He's just out there running around. That uh, he, he posted all zeros in the stat sheet. And I was equally surprised that it was night two of a back-to-back and you played your starters as heavily as you did both nights that I would have assumed there would have been somewhat of a foot off the gas pedal and you would have weaved in the younger guys and played Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara. And we didn't even see them at all, which – kind of stood out to me but the one thing and you brought it up that that really has jumped out to me most is a number of occasions with bud the players that he lumps together and and how he chooses to do it is really startled me at times where you know we asked him about tory craig and why he wasn't playing and his response was well dj wilson is there in those minutes and you think 
he's lumping those. So you view Tory Craig as a four? Like, I, I don't really see what's going on there. And then this, the uh, Jordan Wara question where you said, he, uh, he had said, well, Pat Connaughton returned. So you view Pat Connaughton as a three. Like, I, I, I would like to see more vers- – like we just talked about, he's willing to embrace the versatility of let's change some things and do things differently on the defensive end. I need to see that in all aspects. We need to be at the point where, especially knowing this is going to be a weird season and we just got to try to find things that work, I need to see more minutes from the younger guys and just different looks – at different combinations. And in fairness, we did see a lot of different rotations early on in the season. It feels like, and part of it has to do with injury, it feels like we kind of stagnated and we were starting to figure out what the rotation pattern was. But I would much prefer to see more and more unique and different looks as the season progresses, that you're playing some of the younger guys with different players or you're doing smaller lineups and just doing more of that rather than, okay, it's a two-minute mark, Giannis is coming out, and this is the part where Pat comes in, or this is the part where we go with four bench guys and Drew. Yeah, look, there's 62 games left in the regular season, so that's why I'm not getting too worried about this, or I'm just not spending too much time thinking about it. But again, like you pointed to, I mean, we watched Miami in the postseason down in the bubble go on a fantastic run, and they did that with a rookie playing a huge part of that team and also Duncan Robinson, a, a guy that uh, wasn't a rookie but had come through a different path to get to the team. And one of the things that you admire with coaches like Spolster and coaches like Nick Nurse, as you said, they kind of buck the trend of what we know about coaches. They're willing to give guys a shot. They're willing to play uh, unheralded or unknown players and it's panned out for both of those franchises. So the only thing I will say, uh, maybe in 10, 15 games, if we're still seeing the same rotation, still seeing Thanasis out there, then I will start to get bothered by this because I do think you, at some point, we know what the Bucks are going to get out of the regular season. They're going to be a good team. They're going to win a bunch of games, but it's all uh, dependent. The success of the season is dependent on what happens in the postseason. And maybe... It's un, you know it would be surprising. Pick forty five in the draft would be a, a factor in the playoffs, but you never know. And for what we've seen from Jordan Moore, particularly in that Utah game, actually he played well. He was scoring the ball. He is someone that has shown an ability to be able to play at the level and score at the level. Again, the Bucks have a fantastic offense, but I would just like to see that developed a little bit more as the season goes on. So that's the only real criticism I would have of the rotation because, uh, as you pointed to, the starters are playing more minutes and that's one adjustment that we do like about Bud this year is that he's shown a willingness to play those starters big, big minutes, even in a back-to-back, which was not something that we saw last year, no matter what the situation of the game was. So that's a positive there as well. But rotation watch will continue. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, and I think part of it too is, is what you just touched on at the end where you said, well, I mean, 45th pick in the draft, maybe he could make an impact here that we still, uh, and I think coaches especially, we, are, we still are under that mindset of how the league has been structured for years where first-round picks and lottery picks are really all that matters. And second-round picks, I mean, think of how often they're, they're, you can draft a guy that year and he's not even a part of your club going forward that – it's going to take some time for us to get out of that mindset of, well, he's a second round pick. So he's obviously not good that maybe it's Jordan Wara is one of the guys that can help us bring about that change. But I think that's part of the problem too, is we're all kind of molded in that thought process. All right. So I mentioned it earlier, but Bucks magic tonight, 6 PM. It's an hour earlier, obviously uh, uh, at East Eastern time there. So 6 PM central tip. So do not 
uh, miss the start of this one. Uh, like I said, Brook Lopez always plays well down there, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Giannis listed as probable, as I mentioned as well. So, look, six and four. I think as we predicted, this regular season is going to be a work in progress. And as we're seeing around the league, there's going to be plenty of games where guys are missing. It's a strange situation. You're playing teams multiple times in a week. Everything is weird about this regular season. But I just think that we've seen a lot of the things that we wanted to see. It's not necessarily working yet. But we wanted to see adjustments. We wanted to see uh, different lineups. We wanted to see these things occur to hopefully have you better prepared for the postseason. And I think we're seeing that. So, look, uh, I think that while you would love to win every single game, there's going to be rough nights. One of those nights was against Utah on Friday. Uh, but the Bucks again, will have a chance to go three games above 500 against the Magic here tonight who have their own injury concerns as well. So, Justin, uh, you, you can enjoy a little bit of a, of a rest here with road games. You don't have to be at the arena for 10 hours. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am very much looking forward to it. And the, the last thing I'll say, too, is not to, again, extend the rant that both of us had that you know, wasn't really a rant, but I guess turned into it. Look, we all agreed on this, right? Coming into the season, we were all under agreement, not to say, well, I don't care about the regular season, but to an extent we don't, that we're looking at the postseason and how this team prepares itself for that and gets better. I don't feel like everybody has gotten that memo that maybe you signed off on it, but 10 games in, you're already backtracking there. So let's all keep in mind, it's the regular season that we're talking about here, that as long as we see a quarter where they do this, that's what we all agreed on, we wanted to see. And so far, we're seeing it. Well, I must admit, it's easy to say that, Justin, and then you watch the games and you want to win every single game. So I do understand uh, that perspective um, from the fans as well. But we'll see. We'll see how the next 10, 20 games go here. Uh, I think that it is easy to forget that it's only been 10 games. This is a brand new team uh, that's trying to figure each other out as well. But that's Justin Garcia. You can catch him on the Bucks Radio Network and also Courtside Live pregame show for home games. So he'll be back in a couple of days here when the Bucks finally return home after a road trip. But uh, we will leave it there. We'll be back post-game, Bucks Magic, 6 p.m. tip, like I mentioned. Stay safe. We'll speak to you guys after that game.